0: The biggest challenge of business owners and I am just as guilty as what I'm about to say. I've done this, is that you just want to generate cash flow, so you try and be all things to everyone, and that busyness. You think, man, I'm I'm busy. This is great. It's wonderful. However, most likely it's probably not profitable, yeah. and also you're probably not giving your customer the best experience. And it goes back to the why you're doing it, and that should be part of the why of of what you're going to to do. And it's hard to say no.
1: Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. In today's episode, I had the privilege of interviewing RJ Grimshaw, who is the CEO and president for Unify Equipment Finance that is worth over $100 million. RJ has experience as an entrepreneur and intrapreneur, which we talk about a lot today. He was coached by his father who owned several successful companies and learned the ins and outs of business growth and management when he built a million dollar company at the age of 22 RJ's founded companies in a wide array of industries, including hospitality, apparel, finance, and automotive. He's a respected speaker, educator, and author. In today's episode, we debunk a ton of myths about how new business owners should scale their businesses, including first hires and first actions or tactics they use to increase revenue and increase cash flow. Without further ado, here's my conversation with RJ Grimshaw. You have so much experience and such a wealth of knowledge. I'm so excited for me personally, selfishly, but also for the audience to learn more about you and steal all of your insights to help them grow their businesses and hopefully me too.
0: Yeah, glad to be here. And thanks, Mickey, for having me. And and we are close with you being in Ottawa and I'm in in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So we're experiencing this. Wonderful spring weather the last couple of days that everyone in the Northeast has experienced. Tulips are blossoming, but we have snow on top of it. And one quick point, it's interesting, a gentleman that I filed by the name of Cameron Harold, which is a great author. He's written several books. I would recommend anyone to file the showman, but he uses a term that R&D, and R&D stands for ripoff and duplicate. So we, we use that quite a bit in all of our companies. If we see someone using a best practice or something, and we feel that we could utilize it within any of our companies, we're no smarter than anyone else. And if someone has figured it out and, and they're utilizing it, we R&D. And in our offices, it's funny, we'll say, oh, we have to send that to R&D. And everyone in the group knows what it means. Cameron talks about that all the time. So everything that I've experienced, typically it's from watching someone and a little bit of backdrop on myself. I was blessed. I was fortunate to be born into a entrepreneurship, And what I mean by that is my dad owned uh, several businesses that I was able to grow up in that environment and watch him as well as my mother be true entrepreneurs. And at the time as a youngster, you don't realize that, right? You just, oh, dad works at this company. He owns a little bit of it, but you really don't know. And until you get older as a teenager. And start seeing things and understanding that you see what it takes to be a true entrepreneur and and have that desire and discipline. And I was also fortunate enough, my grandfather on my mom's side owned a soda distributorship back in the 30s and 40s. My father's side, his mother owned a floor. She was a florist, owned her own floral shop, many different shops. I had an uncle that owned, he was an optician. He owned several eye stores or eyeglass stores. So it just came natural, naturally that Again, I was blessed. I feel I was very fortunate to be blessed into that environment to to witness it. So I'd have to say it really happened by accident. Just because you grow up and, and you see that. And matter of fact, my dad my dad financed my brother and I in our first business. As crazy as this sounds, he actually financed our first business at the age of. I was at the ripe age of twenty three, and my brother was twenty one, and it was a bar restaurant, and he he was our mentor and guide. And also as our our bank, because even back then, this was in the early nineties, no bank would lend any money to a bar or restaurant, even if it was established or not established. And we took that from a dream and took a facility and refurbished it in six months and took a concept. And that was right during, again, the early nineties where DWI was really starting to come out rightfully. When we quickly realized that we needed to be a destination point more than just a bar or a restaurant. So... We were always looking at alternative revenue streams and we did country line dancing. We did a lot of electronic darts, which is very popular here in the States. We installed a, uh, we were fortunate enough to have 11 acres of property. So we built a large deck on the back with a volleyball court. Again, just trying to hit all possible avatars to come to our business from a revenue perspective, because of the days of just people coming just to the drink, which they do, but however, we wanted to to be able to, that we Be able to maximize every possible revenue stream that we possibly could because our fixed costs were the same in terms of the building and things of that nature. So that's how I got started in business and really been a student from, I guess, the day that I just, again, just, I was blessed and fortunate enough to watch my parents run businesses and family members.
1: That's so interesting. And I think first you had the experience to almost pull back the curtains behind entrepreneurship as a child and not even realize it. So you probably absorbed so much, almost like secret or unknown information that anyone else might not be able to witness. But then on top of that, you also just debunked a myth that the if we build it, they will come. And I think that's the great jumping off point mm-hmm. for us because most business owners that are listening here are service providers and they've jumped in assuming that if I provide this great service, the customers will find me. (laughs) And if you had to tell them or give them a little reality check, what would you say?
0: Yeah, I would say that it doesn't happen overnight and there's going to be very long days. And I, one of the things that I always have hanging in my offices is the days are long, but the years are short. Mm-hmm. And and it's always about putting that effort, strategic effort in on a daily basis. And especially when you're starting out, you're doing everything right. On top of that, you have the, the, the stress of starting and probably being questioned by a lot of friends. You really start to realize who your friends are when you say that, hey, I'm going to go into business or do this. And who's going to support you from a friend perspective and family perspective and who says you're crazy and I like my my corporate job and that's where I'm going to stay. But to answer your question specific, it's really determined if you're in a service business, I would say the first thing that's most important is people have to know you, hence why you're doing a podcast, hence why I'm on a podcast. If people don't know who you are and the services that you provide, no one's going to call you, no one's going to reach out to you, no one's going to even realize that you can do that. So really... The, the first step is making sure that your brand or you as a provider are, are becoming known in the marketplace that you decide, you've you decided to serve. And you can do that. I'm not going to get into specifics because it depends on what your business is and where your perfect clientele are, where they go and where they hang out, and what they read and things of that nature. However, that should be part of your strategy on a daily basis from a strategic perspective where you're looking at what I'm going to, what is my intent today? to do something that's going to build my brand strategically and not take the effect of, hey, I'm just going to advertise everywhere. That doesn't work. You have to be disciplined to understand where your customers are today. And then, it be, and then you just pick up on that. And word of mouth is the greatest advertisement anyone can possibly have when you give a great service and provide that service and you become known in the community, in the marketplace. People are just naturally going to start talking about you and bring you into situations that will help you. But with that being said, that's where the scale and systems and everything else comes into place when you start growing.
1: Yeah, it definitely spurs a question. So most business owners, when we first start, I was 100% this, we're very busy doing a lot of stuff. I have a friend who says, has a great analogy, and you're just throwing spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks. And you mentioned that advertising everywhere doesn't work. And I think that really transcends just advertising. I think doing everything anywhere you can just doesn't work. Being busy for the sake of busy isn't going to grow your business. So when we're thinking of the strategic direction of your business as a solo business owner with a service you provide, what steps or what questions should these business owners be asking themselves or reflecting on to determine, okay, what is my strategy? How do I make sure I'm doing the right things and not everything?
0: It really starts, I believe it really starts with them of why they're doing it. So many people go into business because they just think, I love when I talk to entrepreneurs and I ask this question directly, why did you go into business on your own? And if they say, I wanted more flexibility and make a million dollars, typically that alignment just doesn't work. I'm not saying you can't get to that and you can't have that flexibility and freedom, however, that is a long tail philosophy that probably you're going to burn yourself out with. If you say, hey, I'm going into business because similar for myself, why I, I do the business coaching and consulting and help business owners is because I feel that I have true value in, in doing that. And that's my why. And where I sit today as CEO president for Unified Equipment Finance, what's driven me for the last 20 years of my career is I get to work with a multitude of business owners across the country on a daily basis. And I can relate with them and also add more value than just the financing from a marketing perspective from a go-to-market perspective, a strategy of things of that nature. So again, it starts with the person. Why are you doing this? And there's some exercise that you can find on the internet. Email me and I'll gladly email you where you just work through this exercise. And, And I highly recommend when you do that, wherever you're, I'm a morning person. I do my best work in the morning. By the afternoon, evening, I'm wiped out, just like I would assume everyone. But if you are a night owl, you can do this at night. But my recommendation is do this when you believe that your brain is fresh, you're well-rested, you have a quiet time, and it's actually gonna be a living document when you start creating this of why you're going into business or why you decided that. And it can be that you've discovered a need. That's fine. That That's a good reason that you've discovered a, a need in the marketplace and you want to fulfill that need. However, you do have to start with you as a person uh, of, of why you feel you can fill that void. Then the next step of that is identifying, I call them avatars, your your perfect customer profile, your perfect customer avatar and working back. The biggest challenge of business owners, and I'm guilty, I'm not, I'm just as guilty as what I'm about to say. I've done this, is that you just want to generate cash flow. So you try and be all things to everyone. And that busyness, you think, man, I'm I'm busy. This is great. It's wonderful. However, most likely it's probably not profitable. And also you're probably not giving your customer the best experience and it goes back to the why you're doing it. And that should be part of the why of, of what you're going to to do. And it's hard to say, no, matter of fact, I'll, I'll give you an example of that here. At Unify is we've grown this business from 13, we, we started at 2 million, 13 million. And we did a hundred million last year in sales. We, during 2015, 2014. I use a a metaphor that we opened up a restaurant, Mickey, and we said, we found our location, right? It's a great corner, great car count, great demographics. We just want people to come in the front door and we would serve them anything they wanted. It didn't matter, pizzas, steak, seafood, Thai, we served it. However, you can't scale that model. It was great to generate cash flow. We burnt out a lot of people, myself included. And then it was a good foundation for us to discover what we're really good at and then start peeling or, or taking it and, and really becoming focused yeah. on, on what we're good at. And then we gave the customer a better experience of that. So when you came in to order dinner, if we became a steakhouse with a little bit of seafood, our chefs in the back of the house understood that they could turn those steaks and give, put out a great product. Versus before we'd have to run to the steakhouse, buy the steak or the meat market, bring it in. We weren't sure how to cook it. So you can't scale that. So I hope that makes sense. I I tell that story quite a bit. And that really, when we decided our work of the year was no. As crazy as that sounds, it was no. And and to say no, it's hard from a human perspective. And we just didn't say no. We said, no, here's your alternative. Or no, here's someone who can help, who's very good at that. So we didn't want to leave our customers or potential customers in, in, in a bad position where they couldn't seek the help that they needed. However, on the front side of the business, we really fine tuned our go to market strategy with those identified markets. And now those identified markets last, as a matter of fact, Q1 this year, I was just doing some analysis yesterday. 83% of our revenue came from that core wow. of where we want to be. And we're always looking at additional cores because you never want a customer concentration. That's another thing in terms of you just don't want to have one customer that drives all your revenue because if something happens to that customer. It's, yeah. it's, it's challenging. I COVID know is
1: a good challenge. example of that too, because when COVID hit, there were many businesses that were one customer, one avatar, one product or service that went under because they didn't have an alternative.
0: Or they didn't pivot. And mm-hmm. that was the big thing. They didn't get out in front of it or try and battle through to pivot. And unfortunately, you're right. A lot of those businesses closed. Mm-hmm. A lot of those businesses said enough's enough. But the ones that did pivot, and said, okay, we're going to do this differently or this is where we need to go to and we're willing to invest time because everyone had time then. So really that that was the biggest thing. Now they are succeeding in succeeding at a tremendous level that they never probably expected be, because of COVID. I and mean, we see that with our customers.
1: So it sounds like starting with your purpose, your mission or, or really your values and then from there being able to refine and narrow down your kind of place, your customer, your market, your thing, mm-hmm. and focus on that as much as possible while still looking for other opportunities. Did I get that uh, I, right?
0: You're spot on. And again, I'm 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 far from perfect. I I've learned by trial and error. And when I go back to Cameron Harold, he he wrote a, a great book, Double Double. And he talks about a vision board, either a three-year, five-year vision board. I firmly believe now in three, because when you get out the five years, the mind can visualize it, but I'm not sure there's been studies that are really buy into that. Where a three-year, you can see that end of that finish line and then work backwards. And, and so many things in life, that's the best way to start. And I didn't do that when I was younger. I didn't do it when we were in the bar, we weren't doing that. We just knew we had to do revenue, but there was really never, where do we want to be in three years and let's work backwards. And and we and I've started doing that now, and and it's really been a game changer in terms of understanding the roadmap. The next part of that is the KPIs, okay, which is the tactical piece of that to get to you to that three-year vision. And it sounds like it's a lot, but it's really not when you sit down and start working on the business and not in the business. If yeah. you're we talking earlier about E Myth, and when you're working on the business and and it's really just being disciplined enough to put that time on your calendar and then holding yourself accountable for that time. And there's days that I have it on my calendar that um, I either I'll try and find an excuse why I don't wanna do it, or it's like going to the gym, right? Until it becomes a, a muscle that you worked in and you wanna do that. And when you don't do that, you it feels wrong. It's really, that's the same idea. And I'm not saying every day, but if you put on your calendar you know, one day a week. And if it's Wednesday, middle of the week where you've started your week and you still have a couple of days to go and work on the business for a couple hours from a strategic perspective, I know you'll see dividends long-term from that activity.
1: I really appreciate that you say put it on the calendar because what I've heard so many times from business owners is, but once I get all of this stuff done, then I'll do that. And it's like the never ending to-do list literally never ends. And so they never end up getting to that place. But when you put it on the calendar, regardless of where you're at and what's going on, that's dedicated time. And I, I I think that right there is one of those shifts that needs to happen with business owners. And it is one of the shifts that creates that momentum as they move forward.
0: It, and here's maybe a baby step to that too. Mm-hmm. And, and I've done this before where if I'm having my to-do list, the next thing after I do my to-do list, I'll look at, if it's an active to-do list, okay, I so start in the morning, I look at revenue generating activities on mm-hmm. the to-do list because remember, the revenue is the oxygen to your company. So that's how I try and prioritize if there's a a to-do list that you have to do, knock the revenue activities out of the way first. You're fresh and those are the most important. Then work yourself down because there is a lot of paperwork. There is a lot of business owners don't realize tax forms and filing this and filing that. That's just a nature of the world that we live in today from a compliance perspective and things of that nature. And ultimately part of your KPIs and your three-year vision should be you outsource that part of the business. So you can really focus on the revenue generating and scale pieces of that. But when you start out, you can't do that. Or if you're fortunate enough, maybe you have a family member that you can lean on to help with some of that paperwork or a spouse or significant help to do that. But that, that's a good way to start with your to-do list on the revenue generating, because that's, again, it's the oxygen to every business.
1: Ah, that's brilliant. One of the terms that I've seen you use before that I really want to dig into because I love it is entrepreneurship. I think we hear all the time about entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial mindset, but what is entrepreneurship in relation to all this?
0: As I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, owned my own business at a young age, and then I fell into corporate America by accident, uh, and. Work my way up through corporate America to where I sit today with businesses on the side just to keep that entrepreneurship energy going, right? Once you, what, what you have it, it's, it's, your hard. Blood. it's in your blood, and especially when you grow up in, in your blood. Um, and after I, a couple of years of success, you know, I found myself moving up the corporate ladder, as they say, and things of that nature. I read a book by Tom Peters, who's a business guru, and he had the phrase in this book Reimagine called Entrepreneurship. And I started doing more research, and then matter of fact, I wrote a a white paper on it um, of the mindset of an entrepreneur. And all an entrepreneur is really the same exact mindset of an entrepreneur, but what you're doing is you're working within the confines of another business. So I'm just as resourceful as I was when I owned my own businesses. I look at things like it is my business, I take calculated risks, but the benefit of that, of all this, I don't use any of RJ's capital within the company. So I'm a W-2 employee and I'm driving these things, okay, within an organization that is benefiting me long-term, either from a career perspective and knowledge perspective, as well as paying dividends to the company, which rewards me long-term as well. And so... There's a couple of things though that I want to stress with this type of mindset. The first one being if you self-diagnose yourself or self-discover yourself and says, that's who I am. I'm an entrepreneur. I work within corporate America. I love what I do, but I also love new projects. I'm always asking questions around why do we do it like that or looking for improvements. You have to be aligned. Your why, you have to be aligned with the company's mission. An example of that is like, at Unify here, our mission is to help business owners finance the equipment that they need. Simple as that, yep. in an efficient way. Okay, we go on with a bunch of other buzzwords, but really that's our why.
1: Yeah. As a copywriter, I love that mission, because it's so clear. Oh my goodness, it made
0: my heart sing when you said it. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm again, I'm not a, I, I, a simple person, and, and that's our why. And it starts at the top of the house. It starts with, you know, you know what we want to do. Well, but we'll people join, when team members join our company, they understand that and it helps them become aligned with the company because no one, this, and we saw this with a great resonation, right? So many mm-hmm. people laughed, they weren't, they just weren't engaged and things of that nature. We lost one team member over two years, knock on one. And that person had an absolutely incredible offer that I she, I said, you have to take this offer. I, I said, it was actually one of, one of our providers. So I said, we're still going to work together, but you should, I, you should take this offer. And she did. But, and I'm not saying that we're far from perfect, but in the same respect, it, it's pretty basic philosophy and and the why, and people can resonate with that. And it makes them understand it's not about. It's not about our profits, which is important. It's not about our revenues, which is important, but it's about at the core, just helping the businesses acquire the equipment that they need.
1: You know, and I think as a business owner and hearing what an entrepreneur is, as much as like within my business, obviously I want growth and whatnot, but it it really sounds like hiring entrepreneurs and people are going to help you grow and expand and generate more revenue. Are the kinds of people we want to be hiring?
0: Yeah. Amen. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the philosophies that we teach and coach. And it's more an application. We call it the able, able operating system, which is the entrepreneur mindset. And it's really easy for business owners to be able to implement this as long as that business owner buys in that this is the culture that they want. People three out of four. There's a recent uh survey by McKinsey, three out of four employees they surveyed have great ideas for improvement for their companies. The missing ingredient to that is there's no vehicle for the team members to uh, vocalize or talk about those in in a safe environment to the powers to be. So back to your audience in a solo one person operation or a two person operation, as you grow, your success will be determined by the people you surround yourself with. And if you're able to identify an entrepreneur, there's really five traits you can look for that are really, there's many, but if you just look for someone that's tenacious, someone that has a passion for life, typically they have many hobbies and you can just, you feel the energy. They're extremely um, inquisitive in terms of asking questions, back to question. They're always thinking and they're readers. So if you just look for that, you can bring that out out in a interview as you're meeting with people. We actually did a beta test here at Unify where we put the same exact job description out. And A and, and B, all we added was under one of the, not objectives, but one of the qualities we're looking for is a entrepreneurship or entrepreneur's mindset. And then we wanted to look at the quality of the candidates between the two. And it was astounding the B candidates, how much stronger they were, because that term resonated because people were in a big corporate position and they wanted the freedom to come in and have their voice heard. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to be part of something to grow it back to the vision and the, the, the connection there.
1: You no, know, it's interesting because I've definitely been in that position where you want to help the business grow. You feel aligned with the mission, but there's like a disconnect between feeling safe, expressing that and seeing it come to fruition versus being shot down all the time. And I think that's why a lot of people go to becoming their own business owners. They were in corporate America, or worked for someone else. They weren't heard. And so they're like, OK, I'm going to go do this on my own. But they neglect the, to realize that they have to run a business yeah. too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I would, and I know we, I love entrepreneurship. You love entrepreneurship. But I would also say that if you are in that position and you're listening to or watching this podcast on YouTube and you feel I have more to give, look for an organization. More and more organizations are adding that to their job descriptions or their, it's the title, entrepreneur wanted to do this. And if it's something that you have a skill set in, go do that and really learn it because they're going to give you the latitude to be able to go and learn new things and really drive that. Then go out on your own. Mm, Yeah, reduce the risk. Manage your risk, exactly. Because, or the alternative is if you go into business and you're just finding it very hard for whatever reason, look for an organization that you can, that again, resonates with you from their mission and go there and have bring that up during or add it to your resume that you're an entrepreneur and start there, go, go there after the business, keep the business on the back burner, okay. gain some more knowledge, gain some cash flow. Yep, gain some sleep and then pivot back to your business because maybe you were too early into the market for your business. Maybe it just wasn't the timing wasn't right. Maybe because of the supply chain, it was, you were having issues. Maybe because of price of gas and inflation, there was differences. Don't give up on your dream because of that. It's just a different chapter and it's a different chapter in your life to to go get that knowledge and doing it via an entrepreneurship or as an entrepreneur is, is powerful.
1: You know, I think the idea of the detour instead of the full stop or the change can feel so much better, at least for me in thinking, okay, like as much as this feels like a detour from my goals, I'm getting what I need and I'm still moving in the general direction. And that's something my husband's in the military and he talks about this all the time. Like a plan is great until it's gone. And then you have to you get punched in the face is what I always say. Yeah. And so being able to be adaptable and just continue moving in the general direction of your goals. That's the most important thing. And I think that really is that at the core.
0: It it it, it, it Exactly. You, you couldn't have said it any better, Mickey. At the end of the day, my... When I lay my head down at night and I don't want this to sound corny, but I asked myself that I put a drop in the bucket today and it doesn't matter what it is, but did I, did I, do I feel today? I, I did everything I possibly can to become a better version of RJ for tomorrow. And so like on Saturday I did a bunch, I firstly did a bunch of accounting stuff and was it fun? No. Is it boring? Yes. However, it had to be done and I knew long-term I had to spend a Saturday morning doing that. That was my drop in the bucket. It's the little things that add up. And then one day you wake up and and it feels, okay, I've arrived. I'm here. It's going well. What's the next piece of scale? What's the next piece of growth for my company? Which is another important topic because sometimes that growth might not be the right thing to do. You, you might want to maybe raise prices, get a better margin. That's where you start looking at the lifestyle before you, we see so many business owners. And I talked to so many business owners that, especially in the service arena, if they have a van, they want to add another crew with another van because they think they can duplicate that. They don't think through all of the challenges that might come with that and build out the proper plan because now they're not on that crew. And they think that the people that they hire are going to have the same level of expertise and care and passion as you, as the owner, and that's not the case. The, you, you typically, everything I've ever read, the business owner usually is, and don't take this the wrong way, but I, the equivalent of three to four other team members, yep. just because of the effort that they provide. That's it, it not skill what just effort and the caring. And I always chuckle, my wife and I were out to dinner and our waitress is really good. We'll take a side bet, owner's wife, she's the owner's family. Oh, no. So its service typically and like a skin in the game day. yeah exactly 9 mm-hmm. out of 10 only once we've had someone nope i've just worked here for 20 years and it's you have an amazing spirit about yourself That's yeah. why she's been there they come to find out this lady won an award in the community and everything else and it's you, a gem one yeah. like that yeah
1: when we talk about those solo business owners who maybe are thinking of expanding and hiring on a new team that they have to train out and trust which comes with its own whole bucket of new expenses. As we grow, our expenses tend to bloat, especially those so of us who are- All the shirts get
0: larger and larger.
1: Yeah. So maybe we're interested in hiring an entrepreneur to help us generate revenue, right? First, instead of a secondary crew, What can we do as business owners first to to choose the right people, but also to create a culture that's going to help this person thrive?
0: Great question. And that's really where it goes back to working on your business. If you're really thinking about adding that second crew or adding team members to your team, you should really sit down and build out the plan because your first, their first experience when you onboard them or bring them into your company is going to be a lasting impression. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect when you do that. However, have that thought out and go back to the off and duplicate. Look at companies in your area or in your space and how do they bring on, on, on team members. And then the other key component of that is start writing out your SOPs, your standard operating procedures, and start documenting everything and how you do it, why you do that and just have a Google sheet or a Word document open during your day or just a notepad and take notes and then type it up and, and that will help. And again, that document is a living, breathing document. And when you start building out your SOPs across the entire business, it's going to help you scale the business. If you don't have anything documented, you start bringing people in, um, you're gonna have challenges and then you're gonna think, you're gonna get burnt out. They're not gonna have a good experience, your customers, base is not going to have a good experience. The other thing back to the entrepreneurs, the entrepreneur is the doer for the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur, of course, is the dreamer, the visionary. The entrepreneur is really the doer. They're the operator. And if you hire yourself, if you're growing and you've identified a good entrepreneur that's going to come in and join you, you'll see tremendous value in that because those are the things that they're going to focus on. And they're going to be asking questions because so many of us, myself included, we're in the jar and we can't see the label okay. Okay? on a daily basis that's, you bring that's in that, that other party. They can, Yeah, they can start seeing things and helping you and building it out. And maybe you have to give up a little bit of equity in your company to get the right person. Maybe you have to give up some shares or things of that nature. If you really back the long term, and I'm not saying out of the gate you offer that, but if you have a valued team member that's been with you for a couple of years and you really they give a lot of discretionary effort and things of that nature, reward them with equity, reward them with some incentive because it's not always about cash in terms of that W two or here in the States a W two income, but long term. Maybe you're grooming the person for an extra strategy for you when you decide to move on. So there's a lot of value by having someone with that type of mindset within your organization.
1: I've heard so many business owners who are at this place where they need help. They're they're drowning in work, but they worry about the time it's going to take to train someone and about inconsistency. And I can so see how important. And although in the moment tedious and time-consuming writing SOPs can be, but how much faster training is going to be, how much more consistent deliverables are going to be if you take that time and do that. And if you don't, the consequences are going to end up
0: all the way to the customer, not just for you in operations. And there's so many tools out there now that are easily available that you can you can be on site with your phone and put a note in and, and it'll sync to Evernote or whatever tools you use for SOPs. And there are standard SOP tools out there, and here's the other thing, back to R and D, you can go out and Google search SOPs for your, for a business similar to yours. And I guarantee you'll find them, pull them down and then just just make them yours for your business. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel and start right from, we call it from, from birth to, to, to from cradle to grave, touch everything. And I'm not saying you have to write that out all at once, okay? But to your point, as soon as you have those in place, you're going to see you're just going to see the stress come off your life because it's going to be your training manual, it's going to be your onboarding manual, and then it's going to be the standards. We call those these are our standards. Mm-hmm. And this is what we thrive, strive to, to, to how we process things and we go through a review once a year of those SOPs to ensure that they're correct and, and is there any efficiency gains anywhere? Is there any friction for our customers anywhere? Is there improvements anywhere? Do we need, do we need to even do that? Is there value in that, what, whatever we're doing for from an operating perspective? But it goes back to the EMIF. That's where you're working on the business and not in the business.
1: Yeah, I can see an entrepreneur who's given SOPs and said, hey, if you see something that's wrong or ineffective or inefficient, highlight it and we're gonna bring it up and try and find ways to, to better that. I can see that personally as being really motivating. Oh, I get to help improve all the processes and make this easier for me. Yes.
0: You're spot on with that. And then what happens with an organization and we witness it, this here at Unify, it starts the culture, it starts to spread through the culture. So even if you don't have a, we call them also functional vital employee, or vital team members at intrapreneur you look at your staff and your team and you say, if someone was to happen to that person tomorrow, there would be a direct effect on our business. So yeah. they're the vital. And usually we coach that we'd like to see 20% of your team members be a vital team member. And then you have your functional, which are your doers. But what happens is that 20% who's always thriving and striving for new and improved ways, you start to see that lead over the culture to the functional. And now they start giving ideas because they're the doers. They're, they're in the company doing it on a daily basis. Then you see morale go up, communication go up, discretionary effort go up, and then engagement go up. So it it really, there's so many benefits and keep in mind, there's zero cost. The business to set up this operating system and culture, other than if someone was, you could do it for yourself or you bring us in and we help you coordinate and do that together. But other than that, the long uptick of everything I just outlined, it's there and it's proven out over and over again.
1: My mind is like, it's blowing right now. If you could give one piece of advice for that solo business owner who is drowning in work and doing a lot of things and not making a lot of progress, I like to say making a lot of movement and not having a lot of progress, what would be that one piece of advice you would give them to get started in this process of scaling and making their life easier?
0: The the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. and hoping for different results. That's the first thing you have to ask yourself. And then we stress this over and over again, start being disciplined and it's hard. I'm not saying it's, it's easy, it's hard. Start that discipline and working that discipline muscle of working on the business. Even if it's one little thing um, or a couple different things because busyness doesn't pay, is not gonna generate, generate the revenue that you need if you really are desired to grow your, your business and, and, and be a business owner. And there's nothing wrong if you don't want to do that, you're just gonna have a job, just like the emith speaks about, which again, that's fine, but you're not really a, you're, you're a business owner, but you're really not a bit you're just you have a, you bought yourself a job, you created yeah. yourself. A job. And this is where it's really gonna where it's really gonna hit you between the eyes. And I've seen this when you go to try and sell the company because you think it should be worth this, and you say you go to brokers or things of that nature and you start thinking about it. And you start to realize people aren't going to buy. And if they do, probably isn't going to be what you expected it to be from a a sales price perspective. So if your ambition is to build a business, as I said, slow down, take a deep breath. We've all been there and I'll probably be there again. But you have to really just take a break, step back and, and work on the business. And you will, and you're not going to see it overnight. Okay. You don't go to the gym one time and you're buff. It's again, you're working it over and over again. And then it becomes natural, just like brushing your teeth where you say Tuesday mornings between eight and i I'm going to a Starbucks, a coffee house, wherever you knew your best thinking, I'm sitting down and you can, I, you can do pad or paper. You can do, uh, again, Evernote, you can do, but turn off everything, turn off your phone, no incoming calls, no dings, no, and let your spouse know that I need an hour or two hours and stay focused on that. And then you'll see that muscle be built and you'll pick up on minute
1: what great advice. If our listeners would like to learn more about you and the services you provide, where can they find you online?
0: The best way to uh, find me is rjgrimshaw.com. Or if you just Google R.J. Grimshaw, I'm very active on all social media, YouTube and things of that nature. My email is rj at rjgrimshaw.com. I respond to all my emails. I would just ask you to give me a day or so to respond. Any questions, I I receive questions about payroll, how do you manage this, how do you do that, what are your thoughts on this, and I typically, I I always answer those, and then if it leads to further conversations, that's great as well, but in my heart, I just like to help business owners, and that's my why.
1: Oh, and you can so tell through the value you deliver and the energy you bring here. I so appreciate it. I have learned a ton and I feel like a better business owner after having talked to you. So I'm sure that anyone who goes uh, to send you a message or connect with you will feel the same. So thank you so much. I so appreciate you and the time you spent with us. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.